Hello and welcome to the O for Food's Sake podcast. Before we start today's episode, we wanted to share our great news with you. I mean, drum roll. You've probably seen it all over social media by now anyway, but we wanted to come on and talk about it, that we won the Podcasting for Business Awards last week. We won Best Health and Wellbeing Podcast, which is so exciting. And yeah, we just wanted to say thank you, didn't we, Lucy? Yes, For everybody that supported us. We can't believe it. We were so, so shocked and so delighted. It's just incredible. And we are so overwhelmed with, you know, how many people listen to us and enjoy us. And yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, everybody. So yes, we're going to go on to today's episode now, which we will come on to introduce, but we just wanted to like hop on and say thank you very much. Welcome to the Oh For Food's Sake podcast, where we unwrap the struggles of working in the food industry so that you can thrive in what you do best while sustaining a rewarding and fulfilling career or business. We are your hosts, Lucy Wager, food industry consultant, and Amy Wilkinson, coach and facilitator, bringing you our expertise of starting a food brand and working in the food industry for the last 20 years. Our podcast is for you to find new ways to cope with the daily struggles, but mostly to inspire you to work on what's not working to ultimately improve your career or business long term. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Over Food Sake podcast. Today we have a wonderful guest with us, um, Nicola Buckley, who is a female leadership coach. Hi, Nicola. Hello there. Good morning. How are you? Morning, Nicola. Good to see you both. Lovely to see you too. So yeah, so me and Nick, do you prefer Nick or Nicola? Nick. Nick is fine. Nicola reminds me of my mum telling me off when I was little. So yeah. Well, when you say Nicola, Nick. yes. Yes. When you see your middle name as well, <laughs> it's really tells you off. Um, look, me, me and Nick uh, met at some point last year. I can't remember exactly when. And Nick was my inspiration for the women in food survey that I did last year that we talked about on a previous episode I think it was episode 21 so and yeah so I really wanted to get Nick on because she is a real inspiration and we we share a lot of stuff on social media and we're always engaging on social media yeah. and it was like cheering each other on like, yeah cheer, each other's cheerleaders so we wanted to get Nick on today so Nick just start by telling us a little bit about yourself if you don't mind Yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. And thank you for having me. So I am Nicola Buckley. So my business is Nicola School Co Coaching. So it's my yet to be married names. My branding (laughs) (laughs) beat my wedding. So um, we're on attempt number four. It's it's all the same person, by the way, all the same guy. It's just (laughs) COVID, lockdown, all all the boring story that we've all had. So um, yeah, so my business is all about helping women at the very top of organizations. I help these incredible women who come when they come to me, they can feel quite frustrated, burnt out, resentful, not feeling recognized, not feeling appreciated. I help them to find that fire again. So when I talk about find your fire, it's all about getting back to that feeling really excited, feeling really on purpose, feeling really passionate about what you do, knowing that you make you're making a difference in the world, but also knowing that you're appreciated for all the effort that you make and what you put into your role. But doing that without giving it everything and giving so much yourself, there's nothing left. So doing that without kind of compromising who you are, doing that without sacrificing home life um, and doing that without 
trying to be everything to everyone. So mm. it's just, it's great when you get to the top of that ladder, but a lot of women then look out at the view and think, well, <laughs> I don't actually, I'm not that keen on this, or it's, <laughs> it's just more of the same. It's just, oh gosh, it's another relentless position to be in. I'm still having yeah. to work as hard and it's, how do we change that? So that you have this really inspiring energy and you become this incredible role model, not just to women in an organization, but people across the organization, across the gender spectrum of different ages. And it's just how to be that woman that walks into a room and, you know, really commands and has a presence and just has a real impact, but is doing that with empathy and vulnerability and yeah, yeah. Mm. God, it, it's it sounds amazing. I d- totally could have done with meeting you ten years ago. <laughs> Although I don't think you were doing I this ten I years ago. Done with me myself yeah. ten years ago. As yeah. I am now. I was just going to say, how did you get into doing this? And what's your what's your story? Oh, it's oh, a good question, Lucy. So I'll um I'll, I'll try and keep it fairly brief. But um, so I I spent sixteen years in corporate careers in the corporate the corporate world. And I ran multi-million pound launches for big telecoms companies. So I would be given a project. So um, we are launching this device or this pricing or something on this date. This is your budget. Go and make it happen. And that came out of, I was a long-term product manager. So I ran my own kind of P&L for um, different types of products. Again, all within telecoms really. And one of my products was very, very niche. Um, and actually then became one of the biggest products in one of the biggest telco companies in the UK. And our launch ended going from a very low level kind of new to world technology launch to suddenly being a 10 million pound new to the world launch that ended up on Radio One and in the papers mm. and just did incredibly well. So off the back of that, I then went into specializing go to market and I helped put together a go to market team. And then I went into more innovation. So I had this incredible career. And I loved so much of it. And I, I loved that. I actually loved that sense of this is a deadline. This is a date. This is what we need to do. I loved the collaboration with people, you know, teams of 40, 50 people to deliver like these huge launches. But personally, so externally, everything in my life looked great. And I had a lovely convertible. I had this house that I'd bought um, that I was doing up. I had this, you know, wardrobe with all these lovely clothes with the right labels on. I was a lady that lunched, mm-hmm. liquid lunches. Do you remember those when mm-hmm. people drank a lot? And <laughs> so that was my life. And I loved so much of it. But I, I was really struggling. So there was this di- absolute dichotomy and this complete contrast of how I looked externally, how I presented myself in the corporate world to how I felt and how I felt was I'm completely lost. I'm really, really frustrated with where I am. I feel very resentful. I, I'd just gone through um, a separation and a divorce. So I was completely alone without my partner of 14, 15 years. So I didn't really know who I was. Mm. So work became, I was like this high functioning, yeah. really high functioning, <laughs> and but I had really severe anxiety, really severe depression, but no one really knew about it because it mm. wasn't like mental health now is very much more talked about. So how I felt inside, I just like, I'm lost. I don't know who I am. I don't know why I'm working so hard. I feel like I'm on this treadmill. I can't see any way that this is going to change not realizing a lot of it was with me, but obviously part of it is also with the corporate. So I then re- started to retrain. Um, so my last job was head of commercial for Virgin Media, but I then started to retrain. I retrained as a personal trainer. I've always loved just being physical. And I was a swimmer for a lot of my childhood, but 
So I started to do that on the side. I then started to get clients. I then started to grow that business. And then at a certain point, there was a choice to be made. Mm -hmm. And I just remember sitting in a meeting and my sliding doors moment wasn't a big dramatic one. It was just someone asking me a question that I should have known the answer to, that I should have known what the actual question was. (laughs) And sitting there going completely distracted thinking about a client and what I could do to help them. And I thought, Mm. this isn't fair on anyone. This isn't fair on me. This isn't fair on my clients outside of work this isn't fair on the organization that's paying me really well to do this job. It's not fair on someone that would absolutely love this job like I did at the beginning. And it was at that point, it was like, now or never, you need to do, like, this isn't you anymore. This is just not who you are. There's something more for you. There's something different. Mm-hmm. So then I I handed in my notice. I then uh, set up my, I had my outdoor boot camp business that was 6am in the morning every morning wow. like a bit of a that's early that's a lot take <laughs> yourself from all that boardroom stress to a yeah. whole different like commitment guy. wow yeah. i'm really like appreciative of nick back then um, <laughs> and my clients that became a gym business um i then ran a gym business that became really successful but that gym business there was always a group of women that no matter how much we tried to help them they would literally some of them would invest the money and just not show up despite mm-hmm. us giving them everything. And it was like, what is going on with those? What is going on? Because other women would do everything we said and get great results. Other women might be a bit sporadic based on you know what family and work needs were, but they'd still get results over time. And there was this other group that was just like, what's going on? So that led me into geeking out on neuroscience. So I studied neuroscience for six, seven years. So I worked with an amazing coach called Dax Moy. I'm a um, mind map master. And what that means is effectively I... I have really spent years studying like the neuroscience of change. So I'm an absolute neuroscience geek and I love it. And actually for the women that I work with, because they're very, tend to be very emotional, but, but but haven't necessarily unlocked that part of them. They're very logical. So the brain stuff is almost like, this is why this is happening. Mm-hmm. How does that relate to you? So yeah. And off the back of that, I then I moved back down to Cornwall. So I sold my gym business, moved back down to here because I wanted to start a family. On, I was on my own at that point. And then moved more into the mindset stuff. So it was all online. And then actually last year, changed my business, realized that the clients that I loved working with were the clients that I always seem to have attracted more of anyway, which are women at the very, very top. And those women are the women that are going to drive change in the world. They are the women that are going to light the way for others. They are the women having those really brave conversations and really mm-hmm. pushing boundaries and just really demonstrating the impact that women at the very top can have. And I want to be, you know, the companion that's helping them and giving them a nudge or guiding them all days they need to scream or cry, like all of that's (laughs) okay. But also work with the organizations to really support women that are coming through. Wow. So that's kind of like my my journey to here. Yeah. That is incredible. (laughs) Yeah, an amazing journey. It's almost, it sounds like you, you know, you're in a place where, like you say, on the outside, everything looks amazing, but that fire had gone in you. Oh gosh, it was completely out. Yeah. Yeah. But then you recognized it, lit a new fire, but then over time have developed that into something completely different, um, yeah. still supporting women. But, you know, really, yeah. it's a, it's amazing story. It's really inspirational. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, I think we also didn't want to 6am on, on a tennis court anymore either. Because I was <laughs> well, yeah, there yeah. Is that. You get to an age, don't you? And it's like, mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like comforts and bed. And- yeah. It's really interesting that you've gone from that sort of corporate life into like physical, personal yeah. training into the more mental side. And yeah. it's that is 
really, yeah, an, a very inspirational story. And the fact that you're sort of continuing to help so many people is amazing. Oh, thank you. I think it got to a point, Lisa, actually, where it was, you stood in the gym and you give it a lot. So, you know, you'd be there in the morning, you'd be there in the evening, you'd have your team around to help you, but you're, you're, it's your business, you're kind of leading it all. Then during the day, you're then doing all the other stuff that needs to be done, plus trying to train yourself, but actually don't enjoy training because it's suddenly you're it's six, seven hours a day, you're kind of yeah. involved in that. And it's like, makes it feel quite different. And it was like, at what point does it, not not about me being enough or not being enough but at what point can I teach Mrs Mrs Miggins want a better word teach her to squat again and actually it's not about how she squats it's like a physical change that needs to happen and there's you know we need to work on how she's moving and that kind of thing but actually this is so much deeper than that mm. I, can, I can do all of that and I was very very good at it but it was like there's there's something more here and I think I just kind of, again, I think my fire for that business working so hard to get it to be really successful is like, just don't feel this is me anymore. I don't feel mm. this fits. I just, I'm kind of done. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, I think what's stuck out for me is your ability to recognize when something isn't right for you. And, I, and I've made that sound really easy because it's never <laughs> that easy, is it? <laughs> and I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it wasn't like a light bulb moment, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just not enjoying this anymore. I'm going to move on. But the fact that you've done that twice is really telling, I think, because, I mean, Amy and I have both been in situations where we've got to the point where we've decided that we need, something needs to change, but it's it's a big deal when that happens, isn't it? And the fact that you've been yeah. through that twice. And, and I just, I, th I think that's really something I'd sort of like to hear a bit more about yeah. and how you, and, and your problem. And, and it sounds like that's what you're helping other people to do as well. Yeah. Identify whether, how they're going to get their fire back, whether that's staying where they are and making a change or making a change and doing something completely different as well. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting part of the work that we do. We're kind of gifted, gifted this amazing experience that we can take these women through and this support that we can give them. But out of that, we can't guarantee what that's going to be. So obviously mm -hmm. you hope it's, you know, for the organization, if they're the ones investing, you hope it's like, I'm just gonna make, they're going to be come out of this, be even better at what they do, even more impactful. Um, just, you know, just watch, watch this space because it's going to be amazing. But for some women, it's, actually, do you know what the chapter of my life I'm in at the moment is I want to focus on my family. So I'll, I'm going to keep this ticking over and I delegate more to my team and really cement what we have and, and structure it really well. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to have really clear fat boundaries. And then for some women, it's like, do you know what? It's just not for me anymore. Yeah. Mm. And I, I can't guarantee an outcome and I shouldn't. I, I, I'm not attached yeah. to the outcome. All I'm, all I'm, I'm the cheerleader for these incredible women. It's like, you're going to have this huge impact in the world anyway. It's just which the which the different forks in the road you want to take. Yeah. I hadn't really reflected on it before, Lucy, that kind of changing your mind. And I think it's almost, mm. it's overrated to kind of, you know, just keep grinding it out and feeling like, I think a lot of women that I have worked with, I don't know if you find this the same, but they're almost, because they're so senior, they tend to be the breadwinner at home. Mm -hmm. So they tend to have this pressure. They tend to feel like, was, I think it's been described before by a client, it's like golden handcuffs. Like, how can I, how can I choose when my whole family's relying on me? Yeah. How can I choose when my, my partner might be starting a new business or when our children are, you know, just settling into school? How can I choose something different for me when I, I'm the linchpin that's holding this whole family together? And my role is just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But actually, 
where that leads to, and I think there's a direct correlation is almost like over time, just that resentment and frustration increases, you know, when, when you're in a meeting and, and someone asks you to do something like happened to me or ask you a question, I didn't even, didn't even know the question, let alone, you know, probably could have blagged the answer, but it's like, I'll be honest, I didn't hear the question. And it's, it's almost, how do we let women know um, these are high performing women. There's such an association that saying no or setting boundaries or saying that's enough, that that's a form of weakness that you failed. But I, I see it in a really different way now that actually if something in your heart isn't right and if something mm-hmm. is, you know, something used to give you goosebumps is now giving you nightmares, something needs to change. And, you know, we all know like Einstein quote, insanity is the definition of doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And unless you change, nothing's going to change. And it's okay to say no. It's okay to say that's enough. It's okay to say, I can't do this anymore. It's okay to say, to change your mind. You know, it's a really strong thing to say, I can't do this anymore. It is too much. And I've actually, I'm working with um, some amazing clients at the moment, but a couple of them have just at that point. And it's, it's such an honor to kind of just be able to support them through that. And I think for more women to demonstrate that, it's okay to change direction. It's okay to change your mind. You're going to have this huge impact. You're probably going to be at work for another 15 years. So it's not to wait it out. It's not to just keep going. It's not mm. golden handcuffs. It's it's a different perspective. If, if your fire's gone, everything's harder. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. when you've been mm. in something and it's just like, it's like wading through treacle. Like there's the normal stuff you used to fly through. It's like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. That feels really yeah. hard. It's just like a total feeling of apathy, isn't it? When yeah. you get to yeah. that stage. Yes. I mean, I've- and, fe- and that feeling of exhaustion over mm. everything. Yeah. Um, I remember feeling tired all the time and thinking, I'm not actually physically tired. There's something else happening here. <laughs> yeah. 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 The way I kind of describe it though is if your if your heart's not in it anymore, but your head's telling you you need to. And I talk a lot about the difference between head and heart. And actually, when you're when you find your fire, your head and heart were like your heart is leading it. It's like oh my god, goosebumps! Can't believe I get to do this. But then your head is just like you know driving it and the strategy and how we're we actually going to do it. That's great. But if you're if you're heavy hearted about something, um, you're not only having to make yourself. It's the energy to make yourself do it and then do the thing. Mm-hmm. So your exhaustion is, is makes sense. And if you think from a brain perspective, the brain takes 50% of your energy, mm. which always mm. blows my mind. So if you're starting a new role and you're exhausted, that's okay because your brain is working, you know, what door do I go in? Where's the bathroom? Yeah. Where's, yeah. How do I make myself a cup of tea? What's the Zoom detail? <laughs> All that stuff. But then on the flip side, if you're at that point of apathy, like Amy said, or that resent, resentment and frustration, it's kind of a similar thing. It's just exhausting because there's that constant mm. voice of what are you doing? This isn't for you anymore. And that heavy heartedness that is mm. really physical. Mm. Mm. That's that's a really good way of looking at it. And so so you've mentioned earlier about this um, interest in neuroscience. Mm. What else can you tell us about that? Because that just sounds really interesting. Oh my gosh. I'm such a geek, honestly. She did say I, she studied for six years. So. Yeah. <laughs> Make I'll, it short. I'll, yeah, I'll keep it top level. I'll keep it top level. But I mean, the brilliant thing about the neuroscience, like I said, the women that I work with tend to be, we kind of unlock their, for a lot of them, they're very feeling led, but they've kind of lost that sense of their intuition. Mm. Or they, you know, if, if corporate world, for example, still very data-driven, or at a board level, like where are your stats? Where are your figures? How do you evidence that? 
and they've almost lost that sense of intuition. And even though it's still there, they're not necessarily using it. But the neuroscience really is about almost like, how is your brain actually designed to work? So for example, how do you learn to speak brain? How do you learn to work with it in the best possible way? So very basic stuff, for example, would be the brain is negatively wired. So you will always leap to something that's negative over positive. So there was a survey done that was, again, I geek out on this sort of stuff, a survey done where they showed this really lovely film and or clip of the film to X number of people. Um, it was a family going home for Christmas. So imagine Chris Rea style and the car is packed and the presents are in the back and you know, the snow is falling gently and they're not driving home and then they stopped and everyone's singing, having a good time and then they stopped the film. And I think it was like 98% of the people had like a really adverse reaction in terms of what's going to happen next. It's like, well, it's going to be, some, a lorry's going to plow into them and going to come off a bridge or <laughs> mm. a, a tire's going to blow out or, and it was just like, that's how the brain's designed to work. So once you understand these things, you can start to support, you can speak with, you can work with your brain and you can work with the, the, the mechanisms already built. So for example, that negative bias means if you're scared and it's too big for you to know what you do want in your life, if that feels like a huge question, isn't where you are right now, you can use the brain's negative bias to, well, if you don't know what, what you do want, what don't you want? Mm. And everyone in the world will be able to rattle off 20, 25. Yeah, yeah I always <laughs> find clients find that a lot easy. <laughs> don't exactly. Yeah. I can tell so, you the 21 things I don't want. Yes. Yeah. But then what you do want tends to be the fl- just the flip and reverse of mm. what you don't want. So, you know, we can start to really work with the brain. And it's just, and I think the other thing is once you know that, you, it takes some of the personal out of things. Like it's not your failing if you're, So let's think of an example. So it could be that you have a certain belief. That belief is from your child and it's just really strong for you. So actually that's not your fault. Um, It's your your responsibility to change, but it's not your fault. So -hmm. let's look at where it's come from. Let's have a look about how we can um, set in place a new belief. Let's have a look at all the reasons why it's so strong for you. Let's have a look at your triggers. And then that's not personal. You're, You're not a failure. You're not weak. You're not doing things wrong. You're not broken. It's just like you just learn to speak brain and the other thing is it helps with your relationships because someone might be reacting in their animal brain for example their very basic brain which is all about survival if someone's been through something recently they might still be acting from fear which is very different to acting from kind of you know being grounded in who you are yeah so yeah uh, I'm sat here nodding because I obviously yeah, I love all this stuff too. <laughs> yeah, so I love this stuff. I'm, I, I feel like we could keep this going all day, and I could have like two amazing coaches coaching me and helping me with my brain. <laughs> but I think I think as well for women, for women at the very top, again, if it's if we're making it less personal, if you imagine the you know the voice in the head, which can often be who am I to do this? How did I get here? People are going to find me out. You know, imposter syndrome, for example, is just, it's just, there's a belief there that's, you know, making you, holding you back. So it's, that's okay. It's different. It's not about, you're not a failure because you've got, you haven't got imposter syndrome. Your brain's just telling you a certain, it's reacting and taking you back almost like an elastic band. It's pinging you back to an old belief. Of yeah, who you are. Mm. yeah. Mm. I, I always have um, a sort of a mixed feeling about the discussions about imposter syndrome because it's almost like we put a label on it, and, yeah. and that that adds another negative bias. Well, I've yeah. got imposter syndrome, and it's actually 
No, it's just your brain keeping you safe yeah, for exactly. whatever reason. Exactly. But we can get rid and of I that. Think it helps with, you know, of course, the gen, it's men and women's brains are designed to work very differently. So men are very much led from that animal brain because for them, imagine growing up in caves, men were very much the um, keepers safe. And then the women have a much more mammalian developed part of the brain. So much more socially led. So the worry about, oh my gosh, what does someone think of me? Oh my God, how do I look <laughs> in this? Yeah, how, all those kind of things. So, you know, men are designed to react from that very animalistic part of the brain so that it tends to be quicker it tends to be more responsive it tends to less think about other people whereas <laughs> a woman can sit in a meeting the guy's already said something her peer and the woman sat in the meeting like going oh, i've missed my opportunity now because she was too worried about oh my god am i going to get wrong are my words clumsy how am i going to come across i shouldn't talk over someone and the moment's gone so mm -hmm. there's that completely difference a complete difference and i'd, I'd love to i think my tedx talk would be around gender parity yes it's important it's you know, we should all just strive and drive for that but actually we have completely different roles yeah and that's, okay. that's and that's such good advice and because in fact I've had a very personal experience in the last week and Amy actually texted me something over the weekend which saved I know <laughs> lots of arguments between me and my husband because he something horrible happened to us as a family earlier in the week and he reacted in a very male caveman way. Yeah. I think <laughs> I actually said something about you, cavemen, didn't I? Yeah, and, he, and she actually it. said that. And it really helped me think, this is how he's dealing with it. And I'm dealing with it like an emotional woman and he doesn't get it. And yeah. Amy basically said, don't expect him to be the one that is there nurturing and giving you that emotional support. And I was like, you're right. And it's not worth like causing more trouble. So that's a very personal yeah. example, but it's so true. And these days, because, you know, obviously we all want equality, but there is that reality that actually we are different. And mm. it just, it helps, doesn't it? At work and at home and in every circumstance to kind of acknowledge that and understand how it makes, how, why we're reacting to something and somebody yeah. else might be reacting to something completely differently. Yeah. yeah. It's almost yeah. embracing that diversity rather oh, than absolutely. it always just being about equality because yeah. we are different. It's about embracing those differences. Yeah. And do you see that a lot, Nick, in terms of the women that mm. you work with that have felt like they need to be more male? Masculine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I've had clients who have, they've got to the end of the year and they've um, got their bonus. They've gone to buy a car or on their car scheme or something. And they've, they've gone, they bought a, one of them had bought a car because that's what her male peers had recommended. And she wanted to have those good conversations. Another one had had golf lessons because there was big conversations happening on the golf course. Um, another one was told you're the wrong sex. Mm to be part of the board, you're the wrong sex and you don't hunt, shoot, or you're just not involved in any of our activities. And it's just, so if you think about this, if you think, you know, a lot, a lot around leadership is that role modeling and demonstrating, you know, what is within this organization, what is the standard of a good leader? Mm -hmm. So what that leads to, if it's very male dominated, and this isn't about men versus women, it's not about burn the patriarchy. That's not, that's not what this is about. Like we will change this all working together but it's actually, you will adapt the behaviors. You will just change little parts of who you are. Um, you, because that's what it's taken to succeed. So the CEO yeah. acts like this. I'm going to, I'm going to model that behavior. Cause that's, you know, that's winning behavior. 
And that almost becomes a, a bias then of like, that's what I see. So that's how I'm going to behave. Mm-hmm. And you lose elements of yourself. And I know for me in corporate world, I was given feedback that you're over emotional, you're overreactive. <laughs> um, you, when you're passionate, you come across as it's not just assertive, it can be quite aggressive. So I, I kind of started to hide some of those traits and I started to lose, I, I call it like the hard edges of who I was because, mm. well, if that's what I need to do to succeed. I'm going to do that. That's fine. But actually what you, what you are then you're putting on a mask every day. You're not yeah. being, it's I, the work I do with clients is probably similar to you, but it's, it's, it's beyond authentic. Like I'm not going to teach you to be authentic. I'm going to help you and to understand and know yourself. So that it's natural that that's how you show up or that's how you speak. or That's what you want to talk about or that's where your energy goes. Yeah. And mm. not, it's almost like when you were talking, then it's almost the word that's coming to mind is like you become a diluted version of mm. yourself. Mm. Because mm. Just you yeah. know, try and, and actually eventually that will hold you back not you may still get to the top but it will hold you back in other ways because because you're not being authentic you can't you know you can't juggle all of these things and yeah something gives in the end doesn't it and it's exhausting it's like Lucy said earlier it's almost if you're being one person at work and another person at home or you're different with your team versus how you are with your male peers versus how you are with your boss it's how tiring is that? It's just mm. exhausting, right? And your brain must just sometimes get mixed up and you're like, yeah. and then what do you do? Because you're the wrong person at the wrong time. Yeah. And- <laughs> but then it, it ends up being exhausted in all of them. It's like yeah. you're shouting mummy suddenly because, you know, you've had a day where you've just had to manage all those meetings with all those different levels. And it's just like really exhausting. You be more vulnerable with your team, but you're not going to tell your boss something that's happened over the weekend. That's actually really upset you. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it was was really nice for a new client recently who's just started a new role and for her to sit down with her boss and her boss literally just say, how do I get the best out of you? And what support do you need? And tell me who you are. Mm. And it was just like, it was completely different conversation than she'd had for, you know, starting jobs before. And it was so good to hear that someone was just like, you know, what's and the work that I do is like, get to know yourself so, so deeply that you can literally go into a new job and hand them or talk them through. This is a prescription. I'm handing you a prescription for the best of me. Mm. If that Mm. doesn't sit with your organizational culture, I'll just need some support or ways of working around it or longer term, you obviously not say this, but you know, longer term, it might not be for me, but I know myself so well, I need these three things. I need these eight things, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think there is something about the fact that we are as females so often put everybody else's needs before our mm. own that we completely forget what ours are ours are I think mm, you know yeah. I, I know that got amplified for me when I became a mother because it was like a whole new layer of you don't matter yeah and, mm. and you just get disconnected from who you are and, and as an individual and, and what you actually need to to do yeah. the job well yeah and that's one of, I've, I work with women on six different levels and that's like one of our first levels is getting back to their needs is almost like their own almost like their own Maslow Maslow equivalent of, you know, what are your very basic needs? Because the way I describe it, if you're trying to be everything to everyone, you end up being nothing to no one. Yeah. Mm. Because you're giving so much of yourself. And, you know, even the language of when you start a new job, I'm going to go all in. Well, really? Like, how long is that going to last? And is that sustainable? And is that going to be the best of you? 
Mm. Or actually, if you start with really good intentions, really clear on who you are, hand them a tell them through a prescription for the best of you, that's longevity. Yeah. And we need longevity from women at the top because it's hard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I was just thinking about those clear boundaries when you start a new job from the start, because I know yeah. in the past I was really guilty of going hell for leather but actually if you just you know this and I and the last job I had in corporate I was very clear at the beginning I am going to be leaving at five o'clock I need to do this I need to do that and I and I took the mask off I wasn't pretending to be somebody I wasn't anymore and then I flourished but before that I'd been hiding it all and you know it's it makes such a difference isn't it but it's almost having permission to do that yeah and and giving yourself permission to do that yeah and giving yourself and also giving yourself permission but also the time because if you make yourself so busy there's no time to get to know who you are or you get to the end of the day you're too exhausted for your yoga that you love or you're too exhausted to you know have half an hour with the kids before you make tea with them or an hour later on when you have a half because you're just like there's nothing left yeah so it's that Mm. time and actually boundaries are so important because they they're I always talk about boundaries as their reflection of your self, their reflection of your value and your worth. So you don't have any boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Where is your value and worth? Like, and the irony again for women at the top, if you're giving so much of yourself and you're the first to respond and you're the, you know, presenteeism as it will be in the world now, and you're the one that's going to meet in that your boss has delegated to you, even though it's not really your area of expertise. And it's like, you almost become invisible. Mm. The irony is because you're across everything that it's just expect that you're going to be there. And again, I've had women that when they start work with me, it's like, I don't feel heard. And it's like, well, how much are you giving? Are you over giving? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Actually in the women and food survey, that was one of the number one things that came up was the Mm. not feeling heard thing was, Uh, you know, the first thing people clicked because I could see who clicked what first. And it's like, it is that it's becoming in, you know, you think that by working really hard and doing a really good job, you are going to get visible and actually become invisible, don't you? Yeah. yeah. You've, you've, yeah. you've taught, you've done some good posts about that recently, Amy, about that feeling invisible. And we've talked about doing an episode focused around the ability to say no, <laughs> haven't we? <Yeah>. Because <laughs> it's so hard to say no. That would be a good one. Definitely. And I, I don't know if, again, I don't know if you find this, but when women come to work with me, some of them physically can't say no. Mm-hmm. You know, no suddenly, you know, how dare you be selfish? You know, I love all the work of Glennon Doyle and Untamed and the way she talks about it. You know, a nice, quiet woman that fits in with the world is, is you know, that's what we like. That's what we've trained. Whereas a woman that says no and, and has her own rights and her own needs is very clear on them. That that tends to scare the world. Yeah. Mm. You just look at her journey and what she went through to being being married with children and then falling in love with, she's an Olympic football player and suddenly going through, you know, from a marriage married to a man, suddenly realizing that she's fallen in love with a woman and everything that went with that and how she nearly gave that up, even though she knew it was for her because of what, what the world was saying yeah mm. and I guess there's a big part of that it's that social part of your brain as a woman yeah. where you're like what are, what will they think mm. and I think it's really useful to to hear about this stuff you know because I think 
so many women think it's just them and then when you hear it's actually linked to neuroscience yeah. and it yeah. is and and it's societal norms and all of those things it's like oh it's not just me yeah mm. have you got any top book recommendations on the neuroscience side oh, of yes. things for women yes so um I one of my favorite books is from we can add a, a link to it as well to make it easier so mm. a guy called Maxwell Maltz and it's called Psycho Cybernetics so he was um, a neurosurgeon um, and he was again a lifelong neuroscience geek but he he would no sorry he wasn't a neuroscientist he was actually a plastic surgeon and what he mm. saw was people coming in and wanting to change how they look but actually oh, okay. what they needed was just to understand you know what was going on in their brain and also to kind of like rewiring essentially mm. so he wrote this fantastic book that I just you know, when you've got a book, it's like, I think I've got like three copies. I think I've got a labeled and written in and yeah. So that, that I think is brilliant. There's some really quite nice short, sharp ones as well. There's, I can't remember the name, but I'll, we'll find a link, which is just like brain basics. And then around leadership as well, a lady I've just started following who I think is great. Uh, makes it very easy to listen to is Tara Swart. And she's written a book about the neuroscience of leadership. And again, Fantastic. it's really interesting, for example, to, you know, even down to how much energy, like we've talked about already, if the brain's taking 50% of the energy, how do you limit your day-to-day -day decisions? So even down to, you know, Steve Jobs wearing the same clothes all the time. Part of that mm. is I don't need mm. to make a decision. Mm. not mm. saying where you have to wear jeans and t-shirt <laughs> every single day but if you have a, a wardrobe of clothes that you love and feel good in you're not then having that <laughs> daily trauma around what am I going to wear or yeah you know yeah that's really interesting because I think we talk about like women and mental load don't we and yeah and yeah. that's the thing and I often feel by the time I've sat down at my desk in the morning the amount of decisions negotiations and everything that I've done yeah. with a toddler before I start the day if, if that's taken up my brain capacity already no wonder I'm like oh, what do I do now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um, true Glennon calls it the invisible load doesn't she mm. yeah it feels very visible <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I think um I think, you know, there's obviously societal norms and kind of like, but I think every relationship is slightly different, but I still think it's that it's almost like if you go back to the framework, so framework of beliefs of, from what we, what the lived experience that we have as children. So the brain goes through a process of pr pr called pruning from the, at the age of around six and around again in teenagers, hence why teenagers get need a lot of sleep because their brain's going through this change. So it's basically taking all the billions of potential networks and ping it into just reducing that number down based on the most lived experience. So the things that you see, hear, feel, experience are the things that you become your belief network. And the more that you see of that and hear of that, so that can be, if you take money, for example, that could be um, work hard for what you get. I, I had a lot of that when I was growing up. I also heard little girls should be seen, not heard. Mm -hmm. you know all these sort of things so all those they sound like small statements but they're not if you hear that day in day out or little girls oh you look lovely is the comment rather than little boys might be what have you done today or you're so strong like even the way we compliment children it's just so mm. different that it just it keeps that framework is just going to keep evolving and being there because it's so inherent it just, yeah. it's going to take time to break it's going to take time to change and shift mm. 
We've talked about that before. Yeah, with with our daughters. Yeah, my daughter's six in two in two weeks, and I've just had a little shudder of thinking of all the things that she's going to be pruning. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be saying, "You are strong. You are. You are. (laughs) Well, that is what she already does. That actually. So, um, So Nick, tell us a little bit about, you go, You obviously work with women one-to-one, but you also go into organisations. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I work with women one-to-one. So I have a, a, a focused coaching program, but also like then a deep dive uh, coaching program. But the organisation work is probably, I, well, I love, I love, I love the mixture actually. I love both. Um, the organisational work though is a couple of things. So it's, it's working with organisations to kind of consult with them on what's their what's their policy around gender equality and parity and how, what are they doing mm-hmm. and kind of sharing best practice that I see from other clients and kind of from in the industry and then programs as well, running programs and workshops. So workshops are really nice because they're kind of lunch and learn. So it's kind of like a dip your toe in the water. Yeah. So it's, you know, bring along your lunch and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about neuroscience or we'll find something, you know, what's the most helpful thing for you in that moment. And then the programs are amazing because they bring together, like we've talked about already women feeling like I'm the only one to feel like this and Mm -hmm. I don't want to share it because people are going to think I'm weird or what are you doing or, but we can bring together a group of women and take them through the six modules of the find your fire program. And out of that, they just become really, they're much more confident. They know who they are. They know what they want. And also the brilliant thing, it gives you this brilliant tool then to go back to the top of organizations like you did with your brilliant survey mm-hmm. and start conversations about why are women working from home? Why are they working 10 hours a day? You know, why, why is someone trying to match their different people in the team? One might go off and, you know, pick up her children, come back and work later. And then someone else might be an early start. Why is someone in the team matching all of them? Or why why are women feeling like they need to take their 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 phone to the bathroom during a working day because they're worried they're going to be found out they're not working? Mm. You wouldn't do that in the office. Why is that happening at home? So we can start those conversations back to the board to kind of what support do we need? And and also, and again, I think this is really important. Again, this isn't men versus women. It's like how do we help the men support women if they're in a leadership position, or how do we if men are very much the leaders in that organization, there's majority in the board, the majority don't understand the experience mm. of the minority. It's not their lived experience. So yeah. how can we share yeah. that? And it's not in a, you've done something wrong way. How can we share in a, this is a lived experience. These are some suggestions to kind of have some more support here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just really ra- raising that awareness for yes. people that just wouldn't have that reaction. Cause I know if I said that to my partner, he'd be like, well, just don't do it. And it's yeah. like understanding the reasons why <laughs> yeah. we do those things yeah. um, can be really helpful to those, those, those board members. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it then it's that the difference between the organizations kind of pay lip service, gender parity, and the ones that actually want to drive a change. And it's quite yeah. interesting when you get down to it and you know, to put an investment behind it. And, but it does start those conversations and many, a lot of that can also lead into mental health conversations and, you know, being a brilliant conversation about being a more empathetic leader or being a bit more vulnerable at work. And that relates to the mental health side of things. So yeah, just start some really good conversations and changes. That sounds amazing, Nick. Um, really great stuff. 
Now, we could sit here all day and talk to you for sure, because me and Lucy are like <laughs> sitting here nodding and just very excited to hear. Um, but we haven't got all day, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, is there anything else that you feel like you kind of just want to get out there and say to the, f- the female leaders that are listening to this podcast? Would you feel like you've kind of talked around a lot of it? I feel like I've talked around a lot of it, but I would just say if anyone's feeling, any women at the top at the moment are feeling like they've just at that point where they've probably got to this brilliant place in their career, they're now at the place that they wanted to get to, they were striving to for the last 15, 20, 25 years, and actually get to the top and you think, do you know what? (laughs) I'm not, this doesn't feel great, or more of the same, or this is still hard work, or because it's, if you've lost that fire, it's on you to find it again. And I don't mean that in a blameful or judgmental way. I just mean like, this is your opportunity. Like you are a woman with a lot of talent, a lot of gifts, a lot of ability and a a real, you are a role model and inspiration to many. And it's really down to you to kind of safeguard that feeling of like, this is the thing that I'm meant to do. And when you feel like that, when you find your fire, it just helps you step away from feeling that burnout, resentment, frustration. It helps you to step into, you're suddenly energized. You're suddenly, you have more clarity. You're excited. It's just, it's such a different feeling that it's, you know, just keep that. Keep what are the things that are taking you away from it? What are the things helping you move towards it? And just use that as a bit of a framework. It's great advice, Nick. It is. I feel quite inspired after this Um conversation with you thank you you so much for joining us today you're so welcome i've loved it thank you (laughs) how can people get in touch with you yes so i'm i hang out mainly on linkedin um and then i have my own podcast which amy i'm excited for amy to pop on to yeah and i am an avid listener of too yeah well yeah so vice versa um (laughs) is that right vice versa yeah yeah (laughs) that's right (laughs) the same there we <laughs> Me go <too. laughs> um, email leaders on fire or linkedin um are the best places to find me just drop me a message on there um and then yeah if we can just have a have a chat and see how i might be able to help you but yeah i've loved today thank you thanks thank very you much. So much really good to have you so i hope everybody listening has found that useful and um do get in touch with nick if you want to know more and we will see you next time see you next time joining us today and we hope you've enjoyed it take care and catch us next week and if you'd like to get in touch with us personally lucy is available for consultancy advice and is able to offer a free discovery call find her on instagram at out to launch mpd or over on linkedin and if you want to reach out to amy for any coaching or facilitation support then you can find her at amy wilkinson coaching on facebook instagram or linkedin thanks again i'm lucy and i'm amy See you next time.